Playoffs, playoffs, turn up, playoffs. Cinco, cuatro, tres, dos, uno. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Cool Zone Pod, presented by Mouth and Off Sports. Uh, follow uh, all of our other podcasts under the Mouth and Off Sports umbrella. We got Fixin' to Talk Sports. We got a new wrestling pod coming out this week. Also have Foxborough Files. So you haven't seen Foxborough Files. Uh, they are, they disappeared off the face of the earth, but I'm sure they'll they'll find their way back around to posting uh, pods. I don't know what's next. I think Wide Receivers is up next for them. So stay tuned for that. And obviously follow us at the Cool Zone Pod at the Cool Zone Pod on Twitter. DMs are open, and we follow back. Uh, myself and Jonathan are here in the studio, aka Harvey's Bar. Uh, to talk some basketball from the past week. This is a Tuesday. It is finally February of 2021. Uh, Tuesday night here, we had a big snowstorm coming in. We're supposed to get another one uh, this next weekend, I think. So uh, Super Bowl day. Yeah, so that would suck. Imagine if we had we lost power during the Super Bowl. That would not be fun. <clears throat> anyway, here to talk some basketball. So let's talk some basketball. Our weekly COVID update. So Detroit and Denver, they had their game postponed at the last minute. I believe this was Friday or Saturday. Um, I can't remember which day, but literally right before the jump, their game got postponed. Other than that, uh, the Grizzlies are finally back to playing basketball after missing, I believe it was six straight games. Um, Jonas Valanciunas is still out on the uh, health and safety protocol, but... The Grizzlies as a team are back. Their facilities are open. Um, so it looks like things are getting better, at least for their end. Uh, I think Detroit and Denver are still going to be able to play some games, but I haven't heard too much about cancellations other than that. Um, and last week we talked about the All-Star game, possible chance of the All-Star game getting played. It looks like that's going to happen. It looks like they're gonna, it's just going to be one All-Star game. I don't think they're going to do all the other events. Uh, but just one game, there's going to be testing daily, and then they'll the players that make the All-Star teams, as voting starts, uh, I believe, very soon, if not already, um, they'll have to go back to their team market uh, like two days before the season picks back up, just in case. Because uh, as we know, it takes two days for the coronavirus to develop into your system and become detectable. So... Uh, outside of that, COVID stuff seems to be handled pretty well. They just put out new mandates about mask wearing. Uh, they are tightening up on their mask regulations and making players wear two specific masks now in all situations where they need to wear them. The KN95 and the KF94. I don't even know what the hell the KF94 looks like. I don't know. I only I know, know the 95. Yeah, I only know 95. I, 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 people don't like it is from what I hear. Um, but... It's good to see them, you know, taking a, you know, stepping in and taking an initiative to try and improve the mask process and keep guys safe and get these games played as we already have a lot of games postponed, as we just mentioned, with Memphis. All right, the big story this week uh, in the general NBA is what happened last night with LeBron James and some Karen. 
Uh, I actually have no idea what her name is, but she was at a, it was the Atlanta Hawks versus the Los Angeles Lakers in ATL. And it appeared that LeBron was getting into it with some fan. They were jabbing each other back and forth. And uh, this guy in the, uh, in the, this one of the spectators who was jabbing at LeBron, his wife was right next to him. And she started cussing out LeBron. And as expected, her voice probably pierced right through the arena. And LeBron probably heard every word she said. And they all got kicked out. The whole group of fans, I believe it was four of them, uh, all got kicked out. And I guess, I mean, it just sounded like simple trash talk. And LeBron talked about it after the game. And he said that he loved it. And he didn't think that they should have uh, they should have gotten kicked out for it. Uh, he understands. Uh, he made a point about how they might have taken their masks off to be yelling at them. And so possibly that might have been the reason why they got kicked out and trying to, you know, keep the health protocols in check there. Uh, what did you What did you think about this? Did you think anything of it? Because uh, it kind of got a uh, big media buzz as soon as it yeah, happened. Yeah, uh, I think it was just, I mean, it was pretty slow, you know, slow Monday night, big storm on the East Coast. You had most people just curled up inside. You know, you're talking tens of millions of people from Philly to Boston and just a classic case, I think, of a woman having a little too much to drink and mm-hmm. feeling herself. And that's also what LeBron said. Small, limited seating arena makes it very easy for you to be heard. Yep. Very easily, uh, you can basically yell from wherever you want. I I feel like in the arena and, and be heard mm-hmm. pretty well. Whereas opposed to when it's full, every everybody kind of drowns each other out. It's just one. Just loud, constant, like, buzz. So you can't get away with stuff when you say something like, you know, like, cruel, if you choose to. Which we've seen fans in the past do. Russell Westbrook loves getting into it, or at least getting yelled at by fans. I mean, he's had interactions with people in Philly, bad interaction, especially in Utah. They hate him in Utah, man. (laughs) I feel like you have, like, an incident of, like, this, like, magnitude, like, probably, like, three or four times a year. Yeah. I don't think it's anything, like... Nothing that anyone's no. not seen before. I agree. So, just typical, you know, I just think she had a little bit too much to drink, and she was, doesn't like LeBron, and she <laughs> one of One of hear. the millions that is yeah. probably in that position. Uh, but, but speaking of LeBron, earlier in the week before all this happened, he was in Cleveland, where they also have a limited audience. And he was getting into it, I believe, with somebody who is uh, uh, in, like, in a front office or an executive, and... Um, in the Cavaliers organization, somebody I think was there, uh, yelling at him. And LeBron at that point, I think he had like uh twenty five points or something like that. And uh, LeBron missed a shot at the buzzer to end the third quarter, and the guy chirped that was chirping at him. And so LeBron looked at him and said, "Okay, okay." And he went out and dropped twenty one points in the fourth quarter in route to a win. Um, so that I mean, LeBron has been at it all week. Um, with the spectators, but I'm sure, as he said in the, the presser after the fight with the Karen, uh, he he's loving it. And honestly, I can't blame him. Um, I think the guys, probably like a majority of players in the league, um, probably would be uh, fiending off this kind of interaction since there are no fans in the majority of the NBA arenas. In other news, uh, another t- kind of Twitter social media interaction, uh, big NBA media star, star might be pushing it, but Worldwide Wob. Uh, guy follows like thousands of people on Twitter, but he's pretty well known in the NBA Twitter Doesn't community. Doesn't follow me. Doesn't follow Jonathan, but I believe he follows me and uh, Mike. But uh, he got into it with Bradley Beal's wife, who uh, 
they were going at it because in the first quarter of the Wizards game the other night, uh, Bradley Beal's body language was about as horrible as I have seen anybody on the court. I mean, I think it was honestly borderline worse than what James Harden was doing in Houston. I mean, Beal was literally just like, he would walk, you get in the offensive half court, and he would just sit in the corner, and he wouldn't even move, and he would just wait, and then he'd jog his way back to defense. I don't know what happened either before the game. I obviously know they've been sucking, so that's probably no fun, um, obviously. But I don't know what happened at halftime, but he went off, and Westbrook has been playing better too. And they won their freaking game, and they look like they were having the best time in their life. So I, I don't know. Maybe they like maybe Beal's a gambler, and he had a bad beat. You know, maybe he lost the over, and maybe bet the under, and he came, didn't get it, and lost himself a lot of money. And then at halftime, maybe he found out he won a different bet. I don't even know. Uh, but he it was a shade. Uh, it was a case of two sides of Bradley Beal in this game, and Wob Worldwide Wob tweeted about it and was posting videos of it, and then in the second half. Uh, he obviously Bradley Beal playing better. Uh, his wife took to Twitter to really bash it to Worldwide Wob, saying, uh, "Make sure you post videos of the second half too." And uh, and Wob kind of clapped back, saying, "Oh, glad to know there was at least one Beal playing defense tonight." So that was a bit of a spicy interaction there. But the Wizards are, you know, they're they're playing a little better now. They got that big win uh, against Brooklyn the other night. That was big for them and their morale. So speaking of that. I think there was a stat that came up probably from Elias. Somebody found it. Uh, we had two, like, five-point leads blown in the span of, like, ten seconds. Like, that happened two different times. It happened between Chicago and Portland where Lillard came down and hit a three and then got the ball again and hit a step-back three at a buzzer to win 123-122 over Chicago. And then just the other night, like I mentioned, the Wizards played Brooklyn. Brooklyn was up, shockingly, 146 to 141. And Beal drives down, hits a three. Then they they steal the inbounds pass. Ball goes to Westbrook. Westbrook shoots a three. He hits it. And the Wizards go on to win 149-146 against Brooklyn. Um I don't think that's ever happened before where we've had that kind of situation. That's what I think the stat was. We've never had a situation where um, in such frequent fashion, a team blowing a five-point lead with only 10 seconds left in the game. So that was really cool to see that happen. Uh, The Nets, man, we've been talking about the Nets every week at this point ever since James Harden got dealt. And uh, they still refuse to play defense. Uh, Every night they are dropping Somewhere is around 140 points a game, and they're giving up 140 points a game. Uh, that's going to be a real problem for them. If they continue to play this horrid defense, they're going to really struggle in the playoffs, and they're going to find themselves bounced a lot earlier than people probably expect. So uh, right now, uh, if what would how far do you think the Nets make it with the way they're playing? Well, okay, so you're saying right now. You're not saying like... With no, their talent. I, yeah, I, I'm saying the way they're playing right now, like specifically defensively, if they continue to allow all these points, but they're still scoring all these points, do you think they can get far into the playoffs with this kind of mentality and this kind of performance, especially defensively? I still think the way they're playing now, I still think they could get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Because if you if you can consistently put up 140 a night, especially in the playoffs, um. 
I think you'll be okay. I think they're really going to struggle in that second round, though, if you take this kind of... I mean, their defense is awful, and their bench is limited now. They, well, they did have a, a solid bench before. Right. So, listen, I'll, I'll say this. So, you've got the five to eight seeds right now are Pacers, Hawks, Cavs, Hornets, and then everybody below that I'm sure they, won't, they wouldn't have a problem with. But after you get out of that first round matchup, assuming they get into the top four, then you've got to play one of Philly, Milwaukee, or Boston. I, think, I don't think you're winning that in the, the second round. I don't it's, it, not with that kind of defense, especially the way Philly can score the ball. I mean, all those three teams can score the ball. I I really think you struggle to get a second round if they could, if they don't uh, start to really put the clamps in on defense. So we'll have to, like we say every week, we'll have to wait and see where that goes. Um, in other news, so Luka Doncic is really struggling. We talked about him. You know, he deserves more. But he came out and talked about how his team effort for the Mavericks in general has just not been there. And that it just feels like guys don't care whether they win or lose, almost like they're tanking for some reason. Even though they technically, you know, with Porzingis starting to play better, themselves as a team, the other night they just lost to the Phoenix Suns on a Devin Booker 3, really put, you know, the nail in the coffin on that game. And that was on a broken down play. I mean, Chris Paul was driving towards the baseline and they got Booker off on a screen. That's one guy you really can't afford to let get open even off a screen. It's like you have to kind of play the Ray Allen defense uh, in that situation uh, from an inbounds play. And they didn't. And Luka had to just huck up a shot to try and win them the game. And it almost got in. It was close, but uh, to no avail. So again, the Mavericks drop another game and that's only going to fuel that... um, that misery in Dallas more. So uh, what do you think about all that? What do you think uh, the Mavericks need to do? Is their season over? Like, uh, do they even have, should they even be worrying about their immediate future or should they just be going, trying to tank, fall down in the standings and try to get a better pick? Uh, well, I do think their season's over in the, in the fact that they, if they somehow miraculously make the playoffs, they're not getting anything higher than probably like a six seed and mm-hmm. then losing in the first round so if i was the mavericks i i would i honestly i would look at my roster say i have a stud a young stud in luca i have another young building piece young ish because mm-hmm. i think he's 25 now yeah he's been in christoph's porzingis and say to myself you know what you know one year of being maybe we go be awful for this year, get a high pick, hopefully add a second stud to pair with Luca, and then go from there. I mean they've lost they've lost six straight now. Yep. And they're sitting at eight and thirteen. Yeah. So there's only like five teams that are really at a worse off position. So they're they're pretty they're sitting pretty yeah. But in their defense, what I will say for them Safety. is they have only played eight games at home and they've played thirteen games on the road. Although, albeit, they are 2-6 and six at home. Not a good record. You expect them to be a little bit better at home. I think that their record, you would think that their record will improve a little bit when those home road games kind of even out. I just, I, I don't think that, I, I don't buy into the home away arguments this year. I really, I, I don't know. The only thing, that, obviously, like flights and stuff like that. But I, as far as like crowd interactions, I, I really don't buy into home and away being that big a, uh, a deal for them. Uh, I will say this. I mean, 8-13, five games under five hundred. This The West is, once again, cooking. 
You have San Antonio above 500. They're the 10th team in the West right now. So you have 10 teams, 500, uh, over 500 in the West. So, I mean, you're you're in trouble. New Orleans, too. That's another team that people were were high on going into this season. Um, but Luka's... I thought Luka wasn't playing that good at the beginning. He's picked up the pace a little bit. He's, average, he's now up to almost averaging a triple-double. But the team just... I think it, I think it would be beneficial for the team to tank, get a top five pick. They don't really have a lot of talent there, so yeah. I I would agree. I mean, what they got Tim Hardaway, Josh Richards, Richardson. Yeah, I mean those guys aren't really going to help you all that much. So I I would agree. I think they they, they should tank as well. Um, the Clippers and the Jazz, man, right now they are firing on all cylinders. They are both nine and one in their last ten games. That's some of the best in the league right now. Um actually the two best teams in their last 10 games in the league right now we talked about the jazz a little bit last week it's a bit surprising uh to see how well they're playing but they do have some talent donovan mitchell has been struggling a little injury as of late he had a concussion but he seems to be coming back from that pretty soon if not already he is already back yeah he yeah i saw i i should have even said i knew that i don't know why i said that but Regardless, they got a decent team there. Mike Conley is playing well this year. Rudy Gobert, the $200 million man, also playing well. He had about 18 points, 19 rebounds in his last game. So, listen, uh, I again, I'll reiterate it because we talked about it last week. I don't think the Jazz are really going to go far. I think they're a regular season darling, and I think we both expressed a similar opinion last week. But, hey, at some point, you got to give some credit to what they're doing right now. And uh, we'll see if they can prove it going forward. Uh, the Lakers also up there. Uh, they're seven and three in their last two game winning streak. They are sixteen and six, so they are just out of first place. I mean, they're tied with the Jazz right now, and they're both half game out of first place. Like the Clippers own. Uh, and then you kind of got a big mess of teams with all eight or nine losses, aside from the Grizzlies, who just haven't played games. Um, with the Lakers after them, the Nuggets, Grizzlies, Suns, Warriors, Trailblazers. I'm going to have to apologize pretty soon because I, the Suns team is not as as good as I expected them to possibly be. I said that they would win. Uh, the the They had a chance to be the number one seed, but right now it looks like that's just not going to happen. I think they can probably climb as far as four. Um, that's probably going to be their ceiling, but who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Chris Paul has been balling lately. Uh, Devin Booker just returning recently from an injury, uh, and in the midst of his injury, Chris Paul kind of took the scoring uh, on his back and has been playing very well, shot very efficiently in that game against Dallas. He had about over 30 points in that game, so he's been a big help to this Phoenix Suns roster, so they are riding high off a three-game winning streak, so they have Luckily, hopefully, for my sake, they can keep that one that's going. Your, yeah, that's your Suns. That's my Phoenix Suns. So go. Suns out, guns out. So, aside from that, one thing we have to talk about a little bit. So, Paul Pierce uh, was on ESPN, as he always is, and they were talking about Steph Curry's prime, and he said that Steph Curry has about six or seven more years of his prime. Now, Steph Curry is pretty much, what, 29, 30 years old now at this he, point? He's like... He's thirty two, thirty three. I thought I thought he had an eclipse thirty yet, but I mean no, I could be I has. could be wrong. What do we got here for a confirmed age? Uh, he turns 
33 years old in March. Okay, so I'm very wrong about that. That's not surprising. But yeah, so six or seven more years would put him in his late 30s. Seven, yeah, seven years would almost put him at 40. Uh, I, I, I kind of know where you're going with this, but agree or disagree? No, I disagree with that. Paul Pierce, once again, is just talking to make headlines. I feel and like that's, that's what, what they, they all do. Yeah, they all want to be headline grabbers, and it's that's what you got to do these days to, yeah. to make it. Like, per- though, yeah. It's just, it's nonsense. Steph Curry's 32. He probably has... A few more years. Yeah. Three, Injuries are going to get to him eventually. They've already bugged him now. Maybe four max, I would say, because he's a good shooter. The, shoot, the shooting will keep with him, but... He's too undersized to, and not a good defender to mm-hmm. stay in the league for. He's eventually going to have to get subjugated, probably to a bench role. He's going to get Nate Robinson. Yeah. So, yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, headlines. What are you going to do? All right. So some quick hits before we get to the Celtics, who had a bit of a rocky week. Uh, Damian Lillard put out that shoe we talked about it last week i did a little mini rant on damian lillard uh he is now one in three if he didn't hit that buzzer beater he'd be owned four since dropping that shoe and losing that game to the thunder which i also love to see lou dort put the clamps on him uh especially on that last possession where they called a foul but they challenged it and overturned it big win for the tank and thunder uh actually it should be the other way around bad win bad big win for the uh for the thunder so uh, George Hill, speaking of the Thunder, just underwent uh, thumb surgery. He's going to be out for four weeks. Uh, I bring that up mainly because there were well, not necessarily rumors, but I had seen myself a, a bit of a talk about whether Celtics fans would like to see George Hill uh, on their team and some sort of a trade. So I'll, I'll propose it to you. Would you like to see George Hill in the Celtics? And if so, what what would you give up for him versus also what do you think Danny Ainge would give up for George Hill when he is healthy? I would give up someone like... I would throw in Shemi Ogilvy and a, and a second-round pick. Okay. What I think Danny Ainge will give up for him is probably nothing because he won't trade for him because he's scared to trade him. Okay. So, but so it sounds like you'd be kind of on board for a deal. Yeah. Either a, a, um. Yeah. Either like semi and like a second or a very protected first, like, like protected like one through like 27 and if it's not used it, it <laughs> translates into like two different second round picks next year. in yeah. like the next year mm-hmm. yeah uh no I, I responded to the twitter account uh i i said absolutely but i just don't like you said i don't think danny Ainge would make the play for it um then again with danny Ainge, we always talk about him not going to get these big name players to you know um partner with tatum and brown well, maybe maybe he would be more likely to go at somebody. But, I mean, who's I not... think I would definitely think a first round pick would get George Hill, hundred percent. Oh yeah. Um. I think Shemi Ojale and a, a second round pick is it's fair because Ojale, this is the last year of his his contract. I believe he's a restricted free agent. He's an okay player. He's nothing special, mm-hmm. but a rebuilding team like OKC. 
he can hang around there and you could give him some, some minutes and maybe he finds his identity yeah. there you know and you might maybe when it comes around he's a solid you know bench player or whatever but at the same time you're trading then, away the honest stopper yeah well that's unfortunate <laughs> and okay see just they get another second round pick which they can then you know they're just hoarding picks they package that for someone or yeah i'm else. interested to see what they do with all those picks whether they package a bunch of picks for a higher pick like they kind of did in the last draft we'll see um and other news man ronnie mcgruder got murdered on uh on television i don't think it wasn't necessarily national television but he got he got murdered on television the other night by clay thompson after the pistons and warriors played their game uh, apparently Magruder came over and started talking some stuff to uh, to Curry, and Thompson was doing some reporter sideline work with the NBC Sports uh, Bay crew. Area. Yeah, Bay Area crew. I was, I was almost gonna say Washington. I was like, what am I thinking? Uh, and so the you know the the reporters, the commentators, they 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 noticed it, and they asked Clay what was going on down there, and Clay said something like, I don't know. I think Magruder is just mad because he's never gonna play again mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, so he, I mean, he basically just, he just ruined Rodney Magruder's career in uh one swift movement. It's not like Rodney Magruder is going to really turn out to be anything other than like a middling player, kind of similar to the status of semi Ojale, different type of player, but nothing special there. Just thought it was funny. Um, we talked about the Wizards, Beal and Westbrook are obviously cooking again, but uh, you know, they're playing a game right now and they're, they're losing by seven to the trailblazers. So, uh, as far, you know, as much as I say they're cooking, they're still losing so they're probably going to end up falling apart it's just a matter of time they can they can have their little one games where they you know they play all well together and they they seem like everything's fun and everything's happy again but i don't buy into it all right so before we get to something just a couple shout outs uh some players in the league over the past week that have been balling as of late we have to talk about or mention fred van vliet tonight who has over 50 points. That game is already over 50, so he finished with 54 points? I believe. Uh, he set a NBA record for most points ever by an undrafted player. Yeah, that is uh, that is a crazy stat. But yeah, um, it looks like Van Vliet finished with 54 points. He was 7 of 23 shooting. Uh, 11, 17 of seven, Yeah, 17 to 23 shooting. Thank you for that. Uh, 11 of 14 from three-point line. So that's incredibly efficient. And 9 for 9 at the line. He seemed like to just have his way uh, with the entire Orlando Magic team. Also, Norman Powell threw in a hot 23 points. It's crazy. I'm looking at this box score, and their top two scores are Norman Powell and Fred Van Fleet. When normally their two biggest stars, Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam, combined for 26. 12 for Pascal. And uh, 14 for Lowry. They both shot 4 of 11 from the field. Man, tough year for Pascal Siakam. Uh, it feels like he's, it's the year of inconsistency for him. He is really struggling I know. Uh, from the field. Uh, he, I can't believe he made. He made all NBA second team last year. Yeah. And so he's just falling off the face of the earth. He, he, there's no way he's making second team. And there's no way he's making no, all NBA no team way. this year. No way. And his all-star spot is also gone. Oh, yeah. There's no chance. Um, I don't think... I'd be surprised if the Raptors got any All-Stars. Yeah, I think they had Lowry and Siakam last year. And I don't I think, think either of them I think both it. of them are getting replaced. Yeah. So and that's good news for people that are looking for the Jalen Brown All-Star uh, bump. There. For sure. Same with his own teammate, who's also not going to make the All-Star game this year. Yep. 
Uh, also, Cody Zeller, that old man with the big bald spot bigger than my own, he is, uh, he's been balling as of late. He's been averaging some good numbers. Yeah, for his... on Giannis the other night. Yeah, that was, that was the big thing that caught my eye. He really took Giannis right to the rack um, for a big-time bucket. Also, Keldon Johnson, the guy who really destroyed the Celtics, we'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, he has also been balling lately. And De'Aaron Fox, we know he's capable of, been, of putting up big numbers. He's been doing that as of late as well. And my rookie of the year selection, LaMelo Ball, finally got his first start. Uh, he didn't have a fantastic night, but he has been lately playing really well for that Charlotte Hornets team that currently sits at 10 and 11, eighth place in the East. They hold a one game lead over the Bulls, and they are tied actually with the Cavaliers for seventh place. So they're middling out there. Uh, but he's been balling as of late. Love that pick for myself. You know, I just knew it all along. Uh, pretty glad you picked uh, James Wiseman or whoever you. Or did, I actually, yeah, uh, I think I actually picked Anthony Edwards. Edwards, yeah, and I mean, he hasn't been really. Definitely not better than Lamelo Ball, so I'll hang that one over your head for the foreseeable future. Okay, as we approach close to the thirty-minute mark, it is time to talk about some Celtics, hey. and uh, this is this is going to be an interesting conversation. So. Boston Celtics sit at 10-8. and eight. They have a game tonight. Obviously, we said we were recording on Tuesday night, February 2nd. They get a, a big game. And this normally probably wouldn't be the biggest game, but the situation that they've gotten themselves into with a 10-8 and eight record, they really need to string along some wins, and this is an opportunity to get one that they should get. It'll be not an easy game, but it is a game that they should get against the 11-9 Golden State Warriors at 10 p.m. It'll probably be like 10.30 by the time it starts because it's on TNT. Yeah. Uh, what are you thinking about tonight? What do you need to see in general um, from the Celtics team tonight? I am stunned that they are um, favorited tonight. They're two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at Golden State with Smart out, Pritchard out, the way they've been playing the last couple games. I'm just... I'm shocked. I, I think betters are just betting on Tatum and Brown, yeah, just leading them I mean, to victory. Think they, the, they probably think that's enough to yeah. squeak them by. Uh, Wiseman's out for Golden State, but that really does nothing for me because the Celtics don't really have a... It's not like the Celtics have a stud center that's going to feast without James Wiseman. Yeah, but it takes out, you know, having to worry about stopping somebody at the rim who probably yeah, can take over but, the game. Like, yeah, it, I just... If that's why the Celtics are favored, then then they're I think they're well. I don't think that's why they're favored. I just think that's helpful for them at least. But I I don't have much. They do the Celtics do sneaky play well in Golden State. Even going back True. to when the Warriors were nasty, the Celtics went in there like once with Isaiah Thomas and beat him. They beat him like that was one of the biggest wins they, of the season. They beat him like another year when they were really good. They uh, if people don't. Remember they when they pitched KD in the Hamptons back in the summer of 2016. They said they laid out to him the secrets of how they play the Warriors hard, how they beat the Warriors. They had, they had Kelly Olynyk tell him how they beat the Warriors. <laughs> he saw Kelly Olynyk and said, "I'm not coming to Boston." <laughs> and but thriving just, in Miami now. I don't have. I have more honestly. I have more confidence in them tonight than I do in their next game against Sacramento, where they'll probably be favored by even more. But they always play like dog water in Sacramento. I don't know what it is. One, these West Coast trips are weird. They'll win games they shouldn't win. They'll they'll lose games they should win. They should win. It's just greasy like that. And I just 
I don't think they're playing that good. Just simple as that. No, they have they're a, not playing They have well. a, a player that's getting the max, that's playing a bunch of minutes, and he's he's getting killed. And he's going to... I don't know who's he going to match up on tonight. If if he's ever on Curry, Curry might have 50 tonight. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Um... It feels like we've we've heard this kind of old song before, yeah. With Gordon Hayward last year, guy getting all the money and uh, not really doing much with yeah. uh, all the money and all the minutes. So uh, you, you kind of wish we wouldn't have to listen to the same song and dance uh, second year in a row. Well, but I, I think it's it's different because Gordon Hayward. Is well, just... hold on, but and then the year before it was Al Horford. Yeah. So that's now three years Gord- in a row. Gordon Hayward's problem, Al Horford's problem is that he's he was never a guy that could just take over a game because that's just not his style. Right. Gordon Hayward's problem is that he can't handle a big market and he needs to be in a little market and Charlotte is just the perfect place oh, for perfect. him. Just like Utah, if he went back to Indiana, it would have been perfect for him there. Just a no-nothing, small market, no one really cares about you. You, can, you barely get any media attention, there's... Little people talking about you on social media. Whoa, little people? Like, little amount of people talking about you on social media. You better be careful. That's just perfect for Warren Hayward. Kemba's problem is, this is what happens when you're 5'10", and you lose half a step. You become unplayable in the NBA. Now, do you think he's... When, when you say you lost half a step, do you mean physically, or do you just mean to his overall game, like his shooting everything. and everything? Everything? Okay. Everything. Because we talked about recently, he like the way he's moving around on the court, pretty well. Yeah. Doesn't I don't, look like, like that's like... I don't, I don't think he's... I've changed my mind on that. I don't think... like I watched him a lot in the Lakers game. He couldn't get by anyone. He'd kind of dribble in, then dribble out, dribble in, dribble out. Like I feel like his quickness used to make him elite. I called for them to play him off the ball as like a shooter and run their um their stuff through Marcus Smart, which they can't do now, but which they did kinda do. The problem is he went one for twelve, so how can you play him off the ball if he's gonna miss every every time he takes a shot? If he's gonna play off the ball, he has to shoot at least and this is gonna sound kind of high, but for me, if he's making that much money he's playing off the ball, he has to be a forty percent plus three point shooter. It's just as simple as that. He's gotta be over forty percent. Day in, day out for the season. You know, bad games are going to happen, but 1-12 cannot happen. Just simply cannot happen. It's bubble Kemba. He's done. I mean, we talked about him being done, and then he kind of had like an okay game or two. I really think he's done. I I thought that maybe he'd be better as a six-man. I honestly don't even know if he has that. I mean, I really think this is the case. Like Isaiah Thomas, you're at your peak. You're a little guy. You lose half a step. And when you're that size, if you lose your quickness, that's it. You're done. Because you can't use your, like... So you think guys, he's lost Big guys his... can lose a step and still play good right. in the NBA. Little guys, once they lose the step, that's it. They're so done. You, you think he, Kemba's lost his quickness? He's lost his elite quickness. Like he, okay. I feel like at one point he was like one of the quickest players in the whole league. I agreed. And now even if he's top, if you're six, two plus, and you're as fast as Kemba is right now, you're probably fine. But when you're five ten and you're as fast as Kemba is now, you're not fine. He has to be the fastest person on the court at his size, because if anyone is faster than him on the court, he's lost any advantage he has. 
Yeah, I just feel like his bigger thing is more of a shot. But I mean, it's I guess it's to be fair, you have to kind of look at how he is moving around. And you know, when he first came back, he looked to be okay. But I think it's more. more... But I'll tell you this too: if other teams don't think he has the quickness to just beat him, beat them on the dribble, then they can defend him more closely on the shot, which could be affecting the shot as well. Hmm. Because if they don't think he's going to be able to blow right by him, that's true. Elusive. Teams are going to probably try and expose him if he keeps. If he keeps playing like this, especially because he's going to be in in his own. Head. This is a huge. This is a humongous road trip for him. If he, if he comes out on this road trip, and let's just say hypothetically, averages. This is because he's going to play a lot, and he's, he is going to have games where he scores because he's he's okay. But let's say he averages fifteen, like three and four, on thirty five, thirty splits. For a max player, that's that's inexcusable. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, I mean, Kemba's expectations were always going to be really high here, but now more than ever, uh, it almost feels like he has some redemption uh, to, to, to do, like some redeeming to do uh, in Boston with the way he's been playing as of late, given his status, given his contract, and given his minutes. So, with that being said, let's talk about these games. So, let's first, let's go back to Chicago. Uh, we recorded the podcast through the first quarter, I believe, um, of this game. So, let's talk about it in general. Um, Kemba sat out this game because it was the second night of a back-to-back. And they won. And they, <laughs> and they won that game by 16. Um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both were great in this game. 24 and 26 points on just below 50% shooting and 50% or better from the three-point line. Um, Tristan Thompson actually had a decent game, even though he didn't even score a single point. He had 10 boards, so at least he's doing one job, right? Um, another good game for Daniel Theus. He had eight. He had uh, 19 points on 8-12 shooting, uh, so he was really good in this game. He was a plus 21. That was the tie for the best on the team, Marcus Smart. Smart, again, 4-6 shooting. He had 11 assists in this game. I thought he played some fantastic point guard in this game. And this is when we really wanted to see more of him playing the point and Kemba just playing more of a catch and shoot. He was absolutely fantastic in this one. Uh, but as we have to do, we have to talk about our boy, Aaron Neesmith. Uh, he played 19 minutes in this game because it was a bit of a blowout, I believe, um, by the time the fourth quarter got around. Although he did play legit minutes in the second quarter. Yeah, so they were 15 going into the fourth quarter. But, yeah, he definitely got some minutes early on as well. And he played very well with them. And he was, I will add you this, he played well, so well in the first quarter that in the second half, he was the first man off the bench in that game. And that's a big step forward for the young man. He played 19 minutes. He shot three of five, all three-pointers, I will add. Picked up a board, also a turnover, and a personal foul. Was overall a plus four, but he dropped the nine points. So, hey, listen, um, a step in the right direction for him, uh, for sure. Jeff Teague with another pretty dog uh, performance, three of eight in this game. Um, Other than that, you pretty much had some middling performances. Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, Javante Green were all two and four, brought in some points there. Uh, Robert Williams did next to nothing. He was the worst player on the court that game, minus 10. Just absolute trash, not surprising. Only played 10 minutes. Um, 
And Taco Fallentrim Waters didn't even get into this game as a coaching decision, a DMP yeah. coach's decision. Tremont Waters doesn't deserve to get into that game. <clears throat> yeah, I perfectly fine with him not playing. <laughs> uh but defensively they played pretty well. You know, they stopped um <clears throat> Zach Levine only had thirty points, which I, I don't know if you really consider that a win or not, but um compared to how bad it could have been. Uh they were playing well, but Laurie Markin and you know, he got his he got himself his own points eventually. He finished with eighteen points, six rebounds, so he shot the ball pretty efficiently, but other than that, they really just, like, Denzel Valentine hooked up 10 shots, did nothing with him. He had three. Uh, Thaddeus Young had actually a pretty good game. He was 8-11 for 16 points. He had nine assists and nine rebounds. Uh, he is a low-key, a triple-double uh, stud, but it's always very low-key. Like, it's going to be, like, on the brink of 10 boards, 10 assists, and then, like, 10, 15 points. It's, gonna not, it's not going to be, be anything flashy. I know. We, I think we might have mentioned last week, he has that crazy stat with you know LeBron and or Oscar Robinson or something with triple doubles, but um, so overall this is a good win for the Celtics. Um, I actually can I say something? Yeah, go ahead. I saw someone say that the Celtics should try to trade for Thad Young, and I low key kind of love it. Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll propose to you the same question that I gave you with George Hill. What do you? What would you give up? And what do you think Ainge would give up if uh, they made the trade for Thad Young? Yeah. Um, Does not do don't have to be too do specific. You have can, do you have his? Do you, you have the box file there? Yeah. Can you click on him and tell me what his stats are this year? Yeah. So I mean, uh, Thad Young, who I think actually I I would agree he is a good guy to probably go after. So he is averaging about ten points a game with five boards and four assists. Uh, he is playing, I believe, uh, about twenty five minutes a game. He's shooting above 50%. He's shooting 56% from the field, uh, 28 from three. That's pretty awful. And 50% from the line. All right. Um, uh, give me a protected first and Tristan Thompson. Mm, and okay. you, put, you put him at that four spot. You have him run a little pick and pop. Okay. You're talking like Julius Randle, what they do with the Knicks, light. Is what I think. I, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I think that would be a nice depth add, too. Um, now, what about Ainge? What do you think Ainge would? Oh, um, Ainge would try to trade him for, like, a second rounder <laughs> and, like, a protected pick, like, way down the line. And so it would never But happen. I wouldn't even hate, like, Romeo Langford, maybe? I, I was. I thought like that's a, what you were going to say. And, like, a second? Yeah. Like, I think that would be, like, Chicago gets a nice young wing, which maybe they can do something with. The Celtics have enough people that don't do what Romeo Langford does and Grant Williams semi Ojale and yep. Aaron Neesmith. And I think you now Thompson can come off the bench, which I think he's better suited for at this point in his career. And you add another playmaker in that lineup, especially if Kemba is not going to be a playmaker. You know, Brown is okay at playmaking and Tatum's okay at playmaking, but they really aren't guys you really want to run the offense through. Mm-hmm. They have a I think you. I think it'd be a nice fit. The Kemba. Well, I mean, if Kemba is an NBA player, like he should be, a Kemba, Brown, Tatum, Young, Theus starting lineup sounds pretty good to me. With Smart Thompson running a pick and roll coming off your bench, Pritchard sounds pretty good to me. Uh, I couldn't agree I more. Like Just add another playmaker because Thompson gives you nothing as a playmaker. So I, I, like I see. I, I like these depth ads, these sneaky depth ads, kind of like the George Hill, Thad Young. I, I think they can definitely help the Celtics. I think that's probably where they need their help the most, because uh, they don't have that depth, that bench help. 
but that performance in Chicago, that great performance they had there, did not translate very well later on the week, uh, Wednesday night, against the Spurs in San Antonio, where they are notoriously bad, uh, might I add. <laughs> and they were, again, bad in this one. They only lost by four, but it was a real greasy game. Uh, Tatum was your best player out there, and he shot the ball pretty poorly from three. He was 0 for 3 from three, below 50% from the field. Uh, he had three turnovers, but he ended up being a plus 11, which was the highest of the team. The rest of the starters were literally all negative, or Daniel Theus was zero. Also, Daniel Theus only played 12 minutes in this game. Dude, he Every time <clears throat> he played, he was getting abused by Lamarcus Aldridge, who's another guy that there's been talks about putting the trade uh, trade exception for, which I, I would love. Yeah, if they could do that, that would be fantastic. Um, but yeah, so Theus saw the court for 12 minutes, 2 or 3 shooting and 5 points, and that was about it for him. Uh, tough tough games for Walker and Smart again. 2 of 7 from 3 for each, 6 of 15 from the field for each. Uh, both big-time negatives and the plus-minus, each at 14 points. Yeah. And that was that was the, the first game that you had your big, and I put this in parentheses because of how dogwater Kemmer Walker is now, your big three, yep. and you had Smart taking 15 shots. Yeah, Smart had Smart played 39 minutes in this game. Kemba played 27. And also, Smart had four boards, three assists, uh, and a steal. Kemba had two assists and a steal. So not helping you rebounding like Smart can, and, and passing like... And Kemba got, got cookies at the end of the game, which lost them the game, too. That was awful. Thank you for reminding me of that, because I, I don't think I would have even mentioned it. How how do you let that happen in that situation? Like he's got what he's got, he's supposed to have like really good handles. Like he's supposed to be like. Because you, it, how it happens is you you've lost. You you've just lost, lost a step. It. You've yeah. lost a step. That's how it happens. Yeah, and they didn't get any bench help in this game. Uh, continuing the Aaron Nesmith uh, trend line, uh, five minutes, zero for one. He took one three, helped in with a board and a turnover. He always comes in and gets like a turnover right away. I think that's becoming one of my favorite things about him. Uh, and so it's normally not even like it's not even a turnover in like the traditional sense. It's normally a travel or <laughs> a double he catches dribble. it and his back foot is out, out of bounds. bounds. Yeah. Uh, and and another bad game for Jeff Teague. Played only eight minutes. Zero for three. Yeah, I uh, I got a question to propose for you. I saw this on Twitter. Sure. Yeah. If Jeff Teague is dog water during this five game trip, okay. Could they cut him? Could they or will? Could they? Do you think they uh, would? No, I don't think they would. Even I, if I, they could sign another point guard, like I'm trying. So to think okay, of like, if they they would have to really like somebody and really hate Teague. I don't know how they feel internally about Teague. I'm sure they'd probably like him to play better. Well, but I'm I don't think they're as against him as thinking, we are. I'm thinking. What about this? Okay. If they're bringing Langford back, sure. They have to clear up a roster spot for him to come back. Um, so you would normally think Tremont Waters or Taco, but they're making so much little money. Yeah. Teague's making, I don't know what Teague's making, but it's definitely more than Tremont Waters or Taco. It's not that much, though. But I was I was just reading, they think, you know, if they think Pritchard's good enough to run that second unit, you know, maybe you release uh, Teague, you free up a little cap that you can use at the, at the deadline. It's really abnormal for something like that to happen mid-season. But he might – he really has borderline been that bad. I think this is one of those things where we would do it in a heartbeat. And I, I also think at the same time it's one of those things that 
management and Ainge would never do. I I I don't think it would. I don't think it could happen. I I don't even care who they like free agent wise or off on waivers whatever. I I don't think I don't think they would do it. So, I'm, as much as we I would fair. I'd I don't like think they'll it. do it, but I I wouldn't hate if he's awful on this. Oh, for sure, for sure. So yeah, I mean, uh, just to sum up this Spurs game, they really got cooked by the likes of Demar Derozan and Keldon Johnson. 21 and 18 points. Aldridge had 20 points. They, I mean, they, just efficient shooting by the Spurs. They shot 56% from the field. They were actually horrible from three and the free throw line, but the Celtics just didn't help themselves. Just letting the, all these mid-range and in points in the paint. Uh, that was the, pretty much the name of the game in this one. And the hits just came on, uh, kept on coming. Uh, the Saturday night primetime game on ABC against the Lakers. Uh, this game was pretty close throughout. The Celtics made a big run in the third quarter and they proceeded to give it back up in the fourth quarter. Um, the first thing that jumped out to me to this game, and it wasn't that pass by Tatum, as nice as that pass was and probably lucky if anything, um, is that last play. And I tweeted about it a little bit. But on that last play where you had Kemba taking that step back shot, I mean, he was. We, we you talked about his shooting percentage, one of twelve in this game. He is not the guy who should be shooting that shot. Jalen was thirteen and nineteen. Tatum twelve and eighteen. Tatum had thirty points. Brown had twenty eight points. One of those two guys should have gotten that shot. And I know you'll talk about situationally. All right, so this was a situation on the court. They get the ball. They're bringing it down the court. Kemba's got the ball at the top of the key, essentially. Brown is to his right in the corner, and so Kemba decides to dribble to the left. So there's nobody there. And I believe um, Smart, or no, he was out at this point. Um, I forget who else was on the court at this time. Ojale was on the court. It was probably Theus. Yeah, maybe. And so they're all kind of flooding down, and Stevens doesn't call timeout. I think they had a timeout, and he chose not they to did. call they it. They had one. And the one thing I noticed when they kept watching, the, uh, kept showing the replay is after they got the turnover, Tatum didn't run down the court. He was calling for a timeout, though. I don't know if you saw that. Tatum was calling for a timeout? Yeah. And they didn't give it to him? Yeah. All right. I actually didn't see that. Um, but I, 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 given that they weren't going to call a timeout or the timeout didn't get called, I would have liked to have him – I would have liked to, for him to have – Here, I, you're not going to be able to see this on the pod. Okay. But this was with 5.3 seconds left when they had the ball. Oh, uh, okay. So – yeah, he's clearly he's motioning his hands as everybody's coming down the court um, to try and call a timeout. Because, I mean, he definitely wanted a set play where he could get the ball and get up a shot. And I don't, that's just that's just terrible miscommunication then. So maybe I got I to gotta change my stance a little bit because I really wanted him to run down the court and get the ball and get the ball in his hands to take the shot. Um, of course, with time ticking, he really needed to run down the court. But if they missed that timeout and Brad didn't see him trying to get him to call a timeout or the rest just didn't see it, you know, that's just bad miscommunication because they definitely had a chance to win this game uh, with how well Tatum played, how well Jason uh, Jalen Brown played. Um, Theus was okay in this game. I mean, he had seven boards, 14 points, decently shooting. But I just, I constantly see Daniel Theus play. And, you know, he had that stretch of games where, I know DR was giving me licks for it, but... Um, he had that stretch of games where he was playing pretty well. And that's great and all, but 
even when he's playing well, there's so many times on the court where I still get dumbfounded by what he does. And no matter how well he plays, he, he would have to play pretty well consistently for me to really change my tune on Daniel Theus in the long term. In the short term, I'll give him credit when he has good games, but I don't think this is a game that really uh, changed my tune in the long term. And, of course, we talked about how bad Kemba was. And the smart injury is really tough. But we, at the same time, we really dodged a bullet. Yeah, I thought I thought it was the Achilles when mm-hmm. it first happened. You see a non-contact injury, and you assume the worst. You could see the little pop, but you saw the pop in his calf. And so um, we got lucky with a grade one strain. So it'll yeah. just be a couple weeks before we get to reevaluate Smart's uh, condition and go from there. The bench was absolutely no help. Aaron Nesmith's tracker continued 8 minutes, 0 for 2, both threes. One rebound, two turnovers, two fouls, minus five, zero points. So another pretty blah effort uh, on Aaron Nesmith's part. But, I mean, 8 minutes, it's tough to really do a heck of a lot. Uh, Robert Williams actually was 5 for 5 from the field in this game. You know, Dumped in seven rebounds as well. Uh, he was probably the only one on the bench. Jeff Teague, 2 for 6. Fantastic for uh, Jeff Teague. So that just fuels more fire to the cut Jeff Teague audience. Um, you know, this is a game where uh, they actually, they did really well defending LeBron James. LeBron James only had 21 points. He had seven boards, seven assists, but he was 4-11 from three. Missed two free throws as he usually does. And 7-17 seven to 17 from the field. So, I mean, the defense was pretty good. Marcus Gasol didn't even score a freaking field goal. And neither did Contavious Caldwell-Pope. But... Montrez Harrell really took him to work. And they left Kuzma open for a stretch. He had back-to-back threes. That hurt him in the midst of this game. But Anthony Davis, as expected, was the guy who really did the most damage. But 11-25 to shooting. I feel like you take that on most nights. The Lakers shot 29% from three, 68% from the line. Ken, uh, what, how many points did the Celtics put up? 95. And Tatum and Brown combined for 58? That is correct. You need more. Out of the rest of the team. So well, again, nine. we talk 30, about 1 30, 12. 37 points out of the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. That's awful. You had 15 bench points. That's awful. And the Lakers had 27, 29, 35. That's the difference right there. Yep, pretty much. And it's something we talked about all year. It is the the bench depth that the Celtics just do not have. Uh, like it's we've 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 seen stretches where Daniel Theus has great games, right? We had the beginning of the season where Thompson was playing well. We had a couple of games where Ojale was actually playing really well. Now we got a couple of games where Nesmith was chipping in really well, but those are usually more like garbage time games. Um, and then you know Robert Williams hasn't really done all that much of to really gain an impact at all. Uh, this is probably. Efficiency wise, his best game of the year. Uh, and then Jeff Teague has just, he had one good game and then that's been it. And Grant Williams really hasn't done all that much. He probably had a game or two where he made an impact. Carson Edwards had one good game and it was the garbage time game where he had 18 points. And Javante Green had the Philly game where he played really good defense, but he didn't score where like they need. They, they need that bench scoring. And that's just not Javante Green. Listen, the scoring has to come from Kemba Walker, and you have to find ways to get Smart and Theus involved, whether they be starting, whether it be off the bench. And most of all, you're really going to need to pray to the gods that Aaron Neesmith 
really just starts to find his own, gain some confidence, and starts to become that bench scorer that they need. Because it's surely not going to consistently come from guys like Javante Green, Tremont Waters, Carson Edwards, Taka Fall, Grant Williams, Semi Ojale, Tristan Thompson, and and especially now Jeff Teague. We thought it was going to be Teague and Thompson at the beginning, and they've just proven that is not going to be the case. So, again, they got some work to do. This game uh, is probably starting soon. It's now 10.09 p.m. I assume it'll probably be another 21 minutes until it starts. But um, they're going to need to really stack together some wins, as we mentioned um, earlier on. And so after tonight, just looking ahead for the Celtics, uh, like Jonathan mentioned, they have a road trip coming up over in the West Coast. So they have Golden State tonight and then the second leg of a back-to-back tomorrow night against Sacramento. Then Friday, they go to Los Angeles to play the Clippers. 10 o'clock in ESPN. That'll be a string of three straight nationally televised games. Then they go to Phoenix for a Sunday afternoon game, 2 p.m. on NBA TV. And then they finish up uh, a week from today in Utah. So here, here's what you need to see, in my opinion. You need to win these games against Golden State and Sacramento. I think it's tough to call these games must win so early on. But if they fall to 500 or like even close to, they're already close to it as it is. But if they drop these games and go to 500, and then they got to go play the Clippers, the Suns, and the Jazz, you know, some of the best teams right now, playing-wise, uh, now that Phoenix got Devin Booker back, they're going to be no pushover. They're going to be in a real bad position, especially coming off two straight losses. That would be four straight losses. To play teams of that caliber, coming off such bad games, I, I don't know if it would like light a fire under their ass. I, I worry about their body language. I worry about their drive uh, going into those games. So these are some big two games. they got to figure out how they're going to play without Smart, without Pritchard. Uh, and like you said, this is a big, big trip for Kemba. Especially these next two games, probably more importantly than the three others. Because uh, he really needs to get into a groove heading into those games. Um. But other than that, I think that is going to do it this week. Uh, feels like quicker episode, but honestly, we got close to the hour mark. Uh, you got anything you are looking forward to in these next few games? Anything else that you saw for the past week that you think you deem worth mentioning? I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. This is this is a huge smart out, Pritchard out, your two other point guards, Kemba and Teague. This is a huge trip for them. Humongous trip for them. Kemba gotta live up to his paycheck. Teague might honestly just have to live up to still remain in the NBA. That's the way some are saying. So oh, huge boy. trip for them. Five games, three and two is good with me. Mm. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think you could take Golden State, Sacramento, and then honestly, I think their best chance is probably probably Phoenix. To be honest. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Utah, I'm not really that scared of Utah. I am scared of Rudy Gobert. Only because of the Celtics. I think Rudy yeah, Gobert is how you feel about Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert's trash. He's overrated. He doesn't deserve the money he's got. But he can he can do some hurt to the Celtics because of their inability to defend at the rim. So we'll have to see what happens there. Stay tuned. We'll be back next week, hopefully back to Monday. Good chance DS joins us on the next edition of The Cool Zone. So get excited for that. It'll be his first appearance on The Cool Zone. 
As usual, follow all of our podcasts under the Mouth and Off Sports umbrella on Twitter and keep up with them. Subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe again. Fix and to talk sports to Ryan Brown. Like I said at the beginning, a new wrestling pod coming in this Friday, and he'll probably have more stuff related to NBA, maybe some more NHL coming soon as well. Also, Foxborough Files, that wide receiver pod should be coming out soon. I would like to think when DR's done editing that stuff. DR, get back. Come on. Get back on track, honestly. You're hurting the brand. Not a very further brand play to be waiting all this time, taking that trip. But nonetheless, we are the Cool Zone. Follow us on Twitter at the Cool Zone Pod. DMs are open. We follow back as usual. All right. See y'all next week for some more Cool Zone basketball talk. DS, hit the music. 